three, four. Welcome to Driftless Drinks. My name's Mark. Mine's John. Grab a beer and drink with us at DriftlessDrinks.com. I do sound like Ethel Merman. Welcome to Driftless Drinks. My name is Mark. My name's John. Today we're doing holiday beers, all the beers you will need to get you through the in-laws for the season. <laughs> yeah, and these are beers we've been waiting all year, sometimes longer, to try. These come out on an annual basis, and they're going to be some good stuff. Yeah, that's right. Let's get after it. <laughs> back we are looking this time at a offering from stone brewery that i waited all year to have it come out and uh, this came out first in california and just now got available in the driftless area and it is a divine inspired beer wow Uh, yes so this is uh what we're looking at here is stone's Chocovesa, that is spelled X-O-C-O-V-E-Z-A. And it is an imperial stout inspired by Mexican hot chocolate. Uh, have you had one of these hot chocolate-inspired beers before, Mark? Mm, so I've had a couple of imperial stouts with chilies in them mm-hmm. um, with varying results. <laughs> but I have not had the stone. How did you pronounce it? It's Chocovesa. So the Chocovesa? X, apparently, I looked it up and a couple of different people have said this. The X in XOCO is pronounced with an SH sound. Oh, okay. I thought it was maybe an H sound, so it would be Chocovesa, but it's actually Chocovesa, uh, as near as I can tell. I do not speak Spanish. Yeah, I, I pronounce it Hugs Kisses. Hugs Kisses. Wait, no. <laughs> kisses Hugs. Isn't that the name of their mascot? Hugs, this devil kisses. guy, isn't that Hugs and Kisses? Coveza. Coveza. Now, there are two flavors of this one. Uh, they do make one that's called a chard. It's in a bomber bottle, and maybe we'll cover that in a future episode. I've had one of those. It was outstanding. Uh, but this is one that I came across last year and uh, loved it, absolutely adored it, and didn't jump on it in enough time to save some for another year because I think it's mm. going to age well. This year I didn't make the mistake. I grabbed some extra, but these are fresh. These are the ones that just came out this year. These are the 19, the 2019 versions. Um, I've heard some good things online about it. Uh, actually, cracked one of these open because I cannot wait uh, uh, when these things You're come so across my palate. With I know this stuff. I know that's why I didn't make a good doctor because I you know <laughs> I didn't have any patience. So oh. I think. <laughs> sorry. So. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and open this up. Would you like to read the can? Um, now, here's sure, John. A, I will uh, read your can. <laughs> I'll read read my can. <laughs> so this is the Stone Chocoveza Imperial Stout, inspired by Mexican hot chocolate. At the bottom of the label, it says Stout brewed with chocolate, coffee, pasilla peppers, mm-hmm. vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. 8.1% ABV, and this is a 12-ounce can. Now, John, as I turn this over, is this the same marketing that's on the website that you wanted to go through here? It is. It is. It says, okay. uh, this is a beloved stout uh, when first introduced as a limited special edition release with San Diego home brewer Chris Banker after his re- recipe won our annual homebrew competition. 
and uh, Cerveza Insurgante, which is as close as I'm going to get on that. I apologize if is I slayed that. Is it Cerveceria or is it Cerveceria? I do not. Cer- okay. Cerveceria sounds right. Insurgante. Gante. Anyway, <laughs> it was an instant hit, and fans began clamoring for its return, uh, seeing how as how the, its amazing flavor profile is evocative of Mexican hot chocolate, featuring coffee, pasilla peppers, vanilla, cinnamon, nutmeg, and a generous amount of chocolate. We concluded it was the perfect stout to re-release in celebration of the holidays and the entire winter season. Ooh. I'm going to agree with that. Uh, this is how a highly anticipated yearly tra- this is now a highly anticipated yearly tradition that we are pleased to present from us to you and makes a perfect wintry gift from you to your friends, loved ones, or simply to yourself. Cheers. Aww. It's very Thanks, nice. buddy. It's going to be a really, hopefully a very pleasant experience. And I think we're going to go ahead and use these pint glasses. Um, should I go ahead and crack Implying one? there were pint glasses in front of us. There, there are always clean glassware. It, Run, in the HPJ studios. <laughs> He's going to be pissed. Oh, no. All right, here we go. It's it, This is, again, a can, so. Oh. Oh, that's nice. Okay. So um, I'm going to go ahead and pass that one on to oh, you. okay. You, should we open them both here? Yeah, sure. You definitely need to do that. All right. Um, I mean, I'm not going to turn it down. Oh, okay. Okay. One All more right. time here. Let's... Oh, you go ahead and pour first. Oh. Oh, nice. Yeah. Ooh, stereo pour. All right. Stereo so pour. we go. Synchronized pouring. Now, I'm going to be gent- gentler with this. Yeah. I think we're both going at about a 45-degree angle. Yeah. You, um, are, you are much gentler than I am. I, I like a little bit of a head on mine. John likes to rough his up a little. I do. I do. All right, so. See, I, I kind of like to let it see how it settles into the glass on its own. Good power and time. So, you can see that it's if we hold this up to the light, <laughs> you can't tell. It yep. is it is midnight in this glass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nothing's coming like through nothing. there. There's... We hold this up to it. We've got a lamp in the studio here. Hold it right up to the lamp, and there's nothing coming through. Right now, I don't know if I, I've never had hot chocolate in a glass in a in a clear glass. Well, you probably burn your fingers. And pr- no, you, uh, there's like a it's thing. Hot. It's like a thing. They get like a, the ones with the little stem uh-huh. on the bottom and the li- like the little ring on the outside. You've seen those? They put they put uh, Irish coffee in them. Yeah, I've seen hot chocolate served in that, and oh, can't see through that either. Okay, but this isn't got the milky color. This is <laughs> this is black. This is just dark black color. There's no roastiness to it. It's just all. Well, no, I think it's all roastiness. To it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it doesn't have that nice kind of brownie kind of to it it is just oh, right. it is just pitch yep so all right no it's it's night in color yep and uh all right uh, stick a nose uh, in that yeah oh wow uh-huh a lot of coffee coming out of that really dark roasted chocolate right mm-hmm. and coffee that's what yeah now i like my chocolate so here's the thing is oh, I, as man. i bring this i like my chocolate in the 70 to 85 percent range so I really like super dark chocolate yeah. with a little bitterness to it. So I'm hoping that that isn't that my love of that chocolate and this beer isn't going to throw you. So I'm a little worried about you not actually liking this because of your love of chocolate. Well, I don't know. Do you like dark chocolate? Chocolate that dark? I don't not like dark chocolate. Okay, well then you're going to be fine. <laughs> I'm worrying for nothing. 
I mean, right. I tend to. Uh, my favorite darks are probably between fifty and seventy-five percent. Okay, that's yeah, kind of so where we're, I'm at. We're about the same ballpark. I like a, a little bit of sweet on the back end, but I, I mean, dark chocolate's pretty good. Yeah, and I usually don't like milk chocolate, and white chocolate's right. an abomination unto the Lord. So <laughs> I'm just putting not too fine a point on it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I have a, I have strong opinions. How do you feel about white cheddar, John? Oh, I love white cheddar. Yeah, see, different animal. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... so yeah, really roasty. Um, chocolate and coffee, 100% on the nose for me. Mm-hmm. What do you got? I get a little vanilla out of that. And I can... I, because I know what this tastes like, I get, the, I get the pepper out of it. So did you go in for it? Did you go no. for a taste? I okay. accidentally got some in my mustache. <laughs> I hate when that happens. All right, so... Yeah, I mean, there might be a pinch of cinnamon on there. That's the only other thing I can really discern. I mean, it, for me, it's really coffee and dark chocolate forward. So yeah, that that is the pervasive the pervasive smell on this thing. So, which is kind of interesting because imagine that you know somebody didn't know what you were giving them, and then you poured this dark thing, and they're like, ah, you're giving me a you know super dark stout or something like that, and then you put a nose in, and you're like, wait a minute, what is this? Mm. You know what I mean? Right. Not that I would ever fool anybody like that. <laughs> I will fool anybody if I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised. That's how I roll. Oh, so yeah. you know what? That's really nice of you. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to shake up yeah. somebody's world, no, except you, to make it better. That's the only time wanna, I want to shake them up. Like if I just got this beer in my mustache, and I'm like, "Why is there an eggplant in my mustache?" <laughs> like you wouldn't laugh at that. Huh? No, 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 I just did. No, no. You're not as nice as I thought you were. <laughs> Dude, if there's an eggplant in my mustache, I give you all the, all the leeway to laugh as much as you want. Uh, now, wait a minute. That's not a euphemism. We're talking oh. an actual f- eggplant vegetable. Okay, good. I just want to be sure because, you know, it's, it's, the age of, it's the age of emojis. And you we be careful. have gone way off the rails. Already. Yeah, we have. We didn't even try this yet. All right. I'm okay. Gonna, let's go in. Okay. See what you think. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he contemplates. Interesting here. This one brings me back to that oatmeal raisin. Yep. Uh, uh, brown well, ale from, yeah, from Cigar uh, City. Cigar City. Yeah. yeah. And the reason I say that is because it hits some of the same. Um, there's like a cinnamon note in that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I get that same cinnamon note here, except for the back of that, behind it, there's dark chocolate, um, a little bit of coffee, a little bit of vanilla. Mm-hmm. Um, man, in the ever so slight presence of that heat. Yeah, it's it's not but It comes that's... off for me like cinnamon, not pepper. Right. So, Right, and I don't know if you've had pasilla peppers before. They're they're one of my favorites, and they're not them. easy. They're not easy to find around here, but when you can find them, um, they do have that. They're real mild. They're I think they're I'm sure their Scoville units are well below a habanero, um, but they're a little bit higher than they're higher than banana pepper. So okay. if you eat one, it's like yeah, that's kind of spicy, but nobody's ever going to cry from it. Right, right. So that's kind of what's amazing. in there. Right, and I they are. I, and I feel like I need to eat some right now. <laughs> I, I wish I had some. <laughs> but that's what – it really comes out of there. If you've had a pasilla pepper, if you, then that's in there. Otherwise, yeah, the cinnamon's gonna is going to be the dominant flavor because that's the thing you're going to identify easier. Yeah, and that's what I'm getting is the heat. 
is like fresh cinnamon, mm-hmm. right? I'm not getting the pepper as a so the pepper doesn't come across like a pepper taste. It's more just a presence. Right, right. That in my, on my palate, represents itself as being part of like a fresh cinnamon mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Um, yeah. Really interesting. Didn't get any of the nutmeg yet, but as it warms, there may be a little bit of that prevalent um, in keeping with what's on the can. I always try to keep, like, it's interesting to see what's on the can and how they market things, but at the same point, like, it's more interesting to see how it actually tastes. Because, I mean, whatever they put on cans could be a complete, <laughs> you know, falsification yeah. of what's actually in it. Generally, it is not, because if you want to keep a customer base, you don't do that. But right, uh, it's always interesting to read the can, but it's more interesting to read your own palate to see what comes across for you. And that's what I think is interesting yeah. about kind of what we do here is, like, not really being overly educated about any of this process and trying to put it in simple layman's terms then becomes very easy. He understates um, the case, yes. But but yeah, um, wow. There's really, it's subtle, but there's a lot going on. Yeah, this is one of the ones that I like. You know, there's, in the early winter, and this is one of the reasons I, I like uh-huh. it for the fall, is because in the, in the late fall, early winter, these things are really nice because you still are good with a, Nice, you know, cool beer, which I actually think these are a little better when they're, you know, chilled at around 60, 55, maybe not, okay. not refrigerator temperature, but these have been sitting out for a little bit and yep. in, a, in a, in a, in a cooler environment. So, yep. but without but, ice. Yep. So, and, and not to piggyback on that, they've mm-hmm. been sitting on the table here for 10 minutes before we started the episode. Yeah. So yeah, I always find bigger beers. It's interesting as they warm in the glass, right? Cause it takes you longer to drink them because- Higher alcohol content, more ingredient heavy. heavy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it takes you longer to get through them, but then you also get to see how it uh, how it opens up in the glass as you go along. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those beers where you could probably chew on this for a half hour, forty five minutes, and as you go through it, the flavors I'm sure um, will meld and change a little bit mm-hmm. as as you get through. Again, my favorite example is Old Disputin. You pour it out, it's and you walk good away. On the nose. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's good on the nose, but as you let that thing come up to about 55 degrees and then start going after it, that's when it really gets interesting, yeah, that, right? Yeah, then so, it gets tasty. Yeah. So this is in that style. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing about the the Shoko Vesa is that it's, um, it allows for that kind of progression of, you know, it's good initially, and then as it sits, you start to get the other flavors. And I think mm-hmm. you're exactly right. You're going to get the nutmeg later. I mean, this is going to have to get even warmer. But I also think you're right when you when you talk about looking at what they have to say about it. They're not going to they're not going to guide you wrong, but that doesn't mean that you're going to taste the same thing. Right. I mean, taste is so so subjective that you can't come in there and say everybody's going to get nutmeg out of this. Everybody's going to get, you know, raisin or whatever the heck yeah. they might be doing with it. Cuz a lot of times I don't. I mean, I do not have that sophisticated a palate to be able to if I sat there with these, I've had this is maybe my fifth one, sixth one, you know, over the last two years. And and that includes one I found on the on tap at a place, which was amazing, uh, last year. But the uh, thing about it is I, nutmeg never would have came up. I would not yep. have ever said nutmeg. Vanilla, absolutely, you know, and a lot of the things that they, they say about it, absolutely. But just the nutmeg, no, I, I don't get nutmeg out of it. Still don't. Yep. I, I think I'd agree with that. It. it doesn't seem prevalent in there and as we go through this as it warms up you know maybe that opinion would change a bit but mm-hmm. um really I, I mean in 
now starting to dig into this a little more. The mouthfeel of this lends itself to that hot chocolate experience. Oh, yeah. Okay, so like, so when they say inspired by Mexican hot chocolate, now if you just grab a glass of hot chocolate and you get it to a point where it's reasonably cool Mm -hmm. and you can put it in your mouth, there is a certain essence of that same mouthfeel with this beer, which is also really interesting because well done, right? So um, not only are you... Uh, creating a beer in that style, but you're also nailing kind of the mouthfeel of an actual beverage it was sort of designed after or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool and really well done. Wow. Really interesting. I, I really like the way that uh, the execution on this is really good. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best way to say it. So here's the deal. I would look for this, and I may actually pick some of this up, just for the footnote at the bottom on the back of the can, which says age at cellar temp 55 mm-hmm. degrees Fahrenheit. Yep. Because I think – so I'm not wholly in love with this. Like this isn't going to be a go-to for me for any reason. Okay. Same point. This one would be a great candidate for aging. Yep. And I would really be interested to see how this plays in like six, nine months down the road or even close to like next winter. So um, Yeah, I'm looking at I, next winter myself. Yeah. So that to me is the interesting piece of this, right? Like I think this is really well done beer, really well executed. Not 100% in my wheelhouse. I don't think I would put this in my top 10. Mm. But at the same point, I would really love to see how this thing ages because there's so many interesting things going on in here. Mm-hmm. or could be going on in here, right? <laughs> so, like, you can take it for what it's worth, or you can look into all the things that went into it and go, yeah, you know, this might be interesting to see how it develops. And that's sort of where I'm at with it. It's like, I would love to try this in a year and just see how this all comes together at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a it's a wonderful beer. Again, the design and execution of this thing are amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I th- really, hats off to... Uh, to Chris Banker for this recipe and hats off to Stone for reaching out to home brewers and you oh, know yeah. and 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 letting them submit stuff like this cuz this this is a really interesting treat. Mm-hmm. Very very well done. Yep. Yeah, we'll uh and we'll have to visit this in here. I do have a couple that are already aging and uh my hope is that it's it's all going to kind of come together as one big unified flavor which happens a lot with with aged beers. So we'll see how this one pans out next year but in the meantime this is this is a holiday beer that i'm i'm going to every year i can find it i could totally see that it's an well done thank you sir for bringing this by you're quite welcome Welcome back to Driftless Drinks. Uh, this time we're going to talk a little bit about super strong beers. That is uh, beers with a high alcohol by volume, a high ABV. And the reason we're going to talk about that is because in the final segment of this episode, we are going to be trying a beer that used to be a big heavyweight in that exact category, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And it was one of the first beers to really kind of push the envelope as far as ABV I think it was mid-80s is when they started making this. But um, but now, with the advent of more modern brewing techniques and a lot more people in the game, mm-hmm. and a lot, of, a lot of people find high ABV 
beers interesting. I I'm one of them. I'm oh, a I am huge too. Huge yes. fan of big beers. You know, anything oh, yeah. over ten percent is good. Um, so now we have a lot more people brewing them for a different kind of taste and uh, or different palates of people that are more into bigger beers, right? Oh, yeah. So um yeah, that was a really clunky way of saying that <laughs> as we've gone on the last 30 years, there are more and more breweries making high ABV beers. And over the last few years, it's almost gotten out of hand. Oh yeah, and we should we should kind of give some some perspective on this. Most beer is in the three to five and a half percent. Yeah, it, range. That's that's where most of them I, th- I think are kind of dropping in, and that's just a common beer. Yeah, it's somewhere between like three and a half and six percent, right? Yeah. So, like in that general area, that's where a lot of just beers fall, right? Right. And right. so when you start getting bigger than that, you get into different styles of beer. Mm-hmm. You know, between six and ten percent, you've got box and doppelbox and uh, uh, like IPAs, double IPAs. Um, so, yeah. so, and then as you get further and further along the spectrum, you get more and more ingredient-heavy beers, which lends itself to more alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. So more and more sugars in a beer, the yeast will eat more and more of the sugars and produce more and more alcohol. Yeah, and that's that's a major way that they're that they're kicking the alcohol content. It's not. It's usually not. They're not adding it to it, or or it'll be a style that lends itself to a high alcohol. Right. Um. You know, like a malt liquor will often lend itself to a to a higher alcohol content. And even the stuff like we've tried, uh, like earlier in the episode, the, the Shoko Vesa, that's an 8.1. Yeah. Uh, in a previous episode, we were doing the Pump King, and the Pump King came in at 8.6. Yeah. And, and in episodes in the past, we've 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 hit well over that mark. Ah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. but when we're talking about like, uh, so the, the one that's coming up is is Sammy Claus. Is that, is that yeah, the Sammy Claus classic, right? Yep. And that was once the most alcoholic. Is that is so? That, yeah, as far as whatever I've can research on it. Mm-hmm. When it was first brewed, it was about 14.6%. And at that time, that was the highest alcohol lager in the world. So it was it was major, major. Because at one point, brewers were wondering, well, like, how far can you take it? You can only go so right. far before either the yeast kills itself trying to eat all the sugar in the beer, and you end up with a big slobbery sugar mess. <laughs> <laughs> or... Yeah. Uh, or it produces so much alcohol that it kills itself that way, mm-hmm. right? So, and I think that was kind of the limitation was the, the yeast profiles. I think at one point, as oh, exactly. far as I understand, it no, anyway, you're exactly. I mean, I'm not super well versed in this, but no, you're exactly right. That's the thing is, as the alcohol, um, so the way alcohol is produced, it's by yeast eating eating sugar, you know, right. carbon dioxide yep. and and um, and alcohol are a major byproduct. They're not the only byproducts, but they're the primary byproducts of yeast eating sugar. And what happens is that eventually you get to a situation where that alcohol, which is actually a, a waste product of the yeast, can get so high that the yeast can no longer tolerate that. And they actually they die, which is an advantage to a brewer because then you can kind of pick where you want your, your alcohol levels to, to end. And, and you'll know how much sweetness is left over. And what ends up, what they've done in years, um, in the years uh, leading up to to today, is they've worked on different yeast strains, and they're really cultivating these yeasts to get them to to take a higher alcohol content. And some people have gone off the rails with the amount of alcohol <laughs> that these things are able to take before uh, you know they 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 die out. So it, it's been kind Do of. Do you amazing. think at some point they're going to create one that just won't die in its own alcohol wake, and it will eventually take over the world? 
it might have happened already. Hmm. You think the beer would be even better if that happened? I don't know. <laughs> what I can tell you is that um, I have uh, like robot yeast. Robot yeast. <laughs> the the day the Earth turned into a still. Uh, <laughs> we should have stopped recording a long time ago. So, uh, so one of the things I did, knowing that, so I know nothing about uh, Santa Claus that's coming up, and and uh, we'll talk more about how much I don't know about Santa Claus when we get there, but. Um, one of the knowing that we're going that Santa Claus was one of the the contenders of this, I decided, all right, I want to go and I want to buy the most alcoholic beer oh. I can find out there, right? Okay, I That's failed. Mis- find out? I failed miserably, <laughs> but I did do the research to find out what they were. All right, so what I have is I've got two lists. I've got the top ten most alcoholic beers available um, <laughs> worldwide. And I've got, uh, and I've got the f- top five that are um, by U.S. brewers. All right, so I'm going to talk about the U.S. brewers first. Let's start with those guys, okay? All right, so in fifth place out of five is the Logger House 44 Magnum Ale. All right, now this is a this is an ale brewed at the Logger House Brewery and Grill in Palm Harbor, Florida. All right, fifth place mm. beer. I looked it up. You can still get this. They really? have it on their tap list as of today, right? I looked it up today, mm. uh, and and so as of the as of our taping of this, you can get it. it serve um, that in the tall boy. <laughs> I don't know. It is twenty two percent. Wow. So wow. we're we're talking about some stuff. If you, however, go to Minneapolis, all right. Oh, we could drive there. We could drive there. We're not, not that far away. That. They're not quite driftless, but they're pretty close. Uh, the um, Horkemeyer. Brew uh, pub and brewery carried the twenty three percent Herkemeyer Torapuru Strong Bach. Ooh, they don't have it anymore. Boo! But you can get their six percent Bach. So they don't have the Strong Bach right now as of this taping, but they do mm. have the they do have the the really good six percent. If you go to Grand River Brewery, Michigan, you can get an Imperial Stout Stout called Frozen to the Bone. I could not specify whether or not you could get that. I couldn't figure out definitively whether or not you could get that. Okay. All right. That is at 25%. Wow. So the strong Bach is at 23%. You can get the 6% right now. Um, the Frozen to the Bone in Grand River Brewery uh, in Jackson, Missouri, uh, I'm sorry, Jackson, Michigan, oh. um, is 25%. Um, and then if you, the, in second place is Lazy Beach Doppelbach. That's out of Corpus Christi, Texas. Ah, um, good German community. Down that there, that it, actually, beers. actually, yeah, there, there's a very oh, strong German uh, element in in um, Corpus Christi and in the surrounding uh, Texas area. Yeah. There's good, good German stuff down there. You got a wicked Oktoberfest down that way. Yeah, too. they do. Um, haven't been there, but you, I have heard, I have seen exactly. Um, I've seen pictures. It looks fun. Twenty six percent. Yeah. Okay. Twenty six percent. Now, and that's a Doppelbach. Okay, so the number one, number one, U.S. brewer. Okay, here's the thing. I want you to see if you can guess. All right, it is, and I will give you hints along the way. All right, the number one top brew in the U.S. by a U.S. brewer is 28% alcohol. Okay. Who do you think 
has it. You know this beer. You've heard this. You have, in conversation minute, today, minute, mentioned yeah. it. Is it Sam Adams' Utopia? Sam Adams' Utopias. Mm. Now, they have a line of Utopias that are at 28%. Um, these are the beers that well, you will drop two C notes to buy some of this, and good luck finding it. Uh, and then they do make a um, – that's their cherry version. If you get the non-cherry version, they have it – I'm sorry – that's the non-cherry version. If you get the cherry version, it comes in at 29%. So the <laughs> highest, highest one is 29 Okay. So that's U.S. Brewers, okay? And wow. by the way, I'm going to go on record as saying, if I can ever get hold of a Sam Adams Utopia, I don't care if it's the cherry or not, I'm going for it. Oh, yeah. And we're then in. I'm going to get about five people together to have some. <laughs> And they can buy the pizza because I bought the beer. Right. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's talk about the top the top five worldwide. All right. All right. Now many of these, not all of them, but many of these you can get in the U.S. You have to dig, but you can get some of these in the U.S. Really? All right. Number five is one of my favorite all time beers, and this is it's favorite because I would like to get a bottle of this before I die. <laughs> right. I have seen this for a number of years. It's been out for a, a few years, and it's not the alcohol content, right? It is Brew Dog's End of the World. Oh yeah, Brew Dog. Brew Dog. Are you familiar with End of the World? I am not, but I'm familiar with Brew Dog. You have a computer in front of you, sir. Mm, okay. Look up End of the World Brewery. By the way, go under Images because I want you to see how these things are packaged. Now, BrewDog is out of Scotland. And, uh, this beer comes in at 55%. Over <laughs> half of it is alcohol. Oh, it's the squirrel one. It's yeah, the squirrel I've one. Seen this. Yeah. So they every bottle has a taxidermized <laughs> squirrel with the bottle sticking out of its face. Yeah, that's probably 300 bucks just to get the squirrel all taxidermied. I'm yeah, probably. So anyway, that that is that is number five. All right. Oh, it it is in fact the strongest beer out of a dead squirrel in the world. <laughs> that is absolutely true. <laughs> Although there was the one in my yard the other. No, he was kind of fried because he had the. Transformer. So it's called okay. So not to correct you, but it's called the end of history. Mm. You're right. Even my notes say end of history. It's end. It's end of history. Stuffed squirrel. It's the brew dog out of Scotland. Fifty five percent. This one, if you Carl is wearing a tuxedo. If you have not seen this, please go look this up because it is very interesting. Oh, this one, the squirrel's wearing like an Elmer Fudd getup. <laughs> this is great fun, people. All right. So number four is the Shorsbrow. Short, I got to quit looking at this. All right. <laughs> so number four is the Shorsbrow Shorsbach 57. <laughs> I, I, I am, I, I'm reading. I, I am Good reading. God, we as can't well even I get can. bourbon in America. That's fifty-seven percent. What do you think? Okay, it's it's from the Schorschbrau, uh Brewery in Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know where in Germany. I think Schorschbrau is actually might be the name of the place too. But yeah, it's fifty-seven percent, and you can actually no birds fly over the brewery. Prob by the way. Probably <laughs> just not. Drop dead out they of also the make sky. a forty-seven, forty-two uh, percent. Um, I saw. On, okay, so on I've my, seen that one, right? And that one you can get in the U.S. I don't know if you can get the fifty-seven, but you can get the fifty-two or the forty-two yeah. in uh, in the in the states. Jeez. Then you've got the coal ship, coal ship 
or Kohlship start the future by uh, by Kohlship Brewery in the Netherlands. That comes in at 60%. That's in third place. In second place is Brewmaster Armageddon from uh, Brewmeister's uh, Brewery in Scotland. Oh, 65% on this oh, bad this? boy. I don't, I don't know how it doesn't eat through the bottle. And the number one. This is we're into uncut like pappy. Oh here. yeah, this is this is this is nuts. So the number one most alcoholic beer that's available worldwide <clears throat> that I could find, and I and it made the top of a number of different lists by the way. Uh, but my research also came back as saying this is probably the highest is um, Brewmeister's Snake Venom, <laughs> right by Brewmeister's Scotland. 67.5%. Jeez. What kind of joy is going to come out of something that's 67.5 and called snake venom? I ain't seen it. Now, will I try it? Yeah, I'm going to try it if I can find it. But apparently you can find this stuff. So if you're looking for some high ABV out there, Boy, they got them. This is unreal. I know. It, it, it's crazy just how deep this is. But that, I'm telling you, that end of the world. Yeah, the only thing yeah. that can make a good beer better is a dead squirrel. Well, I mean, they really got the full package then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, the, by the way, just if you're not averse to seeing <laughs> dead squirrel packaging. Mm. You got to check out some of the pics with the way these guys are all uh, dressed up. It's this is true too, and and yeah, and, and we we we're sensitive to people who who uh, wouldn't enjoy that kind of thing, and and, and more power yeah. to you because all the other beers, none of those had anything to do with dead squirrels, right? Right, so. even snake, snake venom. Nope, venom. just a green label. That's all it is. Man, so I I'm just curious. In your research, did you find out? Other than just pushing the envelope as mm-hmm. far as it can go, is is there any real purpose to trying to brew a beer that's like a bazillion percent alcohol and like there there actually is and and one of the ones that that came across that came up a lot um, was the Sprewmeister Armageddon mm-hmm. and there were a lot of people who say the reason that you do this is because the idea is not to pour a pint glass of this stuff. Now, most of oh, them don't even come in like 12s. I mean, they're, they're coming in larger bottles than that. And the idea is to actually have it like you're going to drink a, they say a wine, I drink it more like a whiskey, where you're going to pour just a couple mm-hmm. of fingers of this. And a high alcohol content has the benefit of being able to have a good long shelf life after it's open. Oh, interesting. Right. So, I mean, we know that if you open a, if you open a bomber, and you drink part of it, the next day you might not want to try it. Well, number one, there's a lot of carbonation, right? Yeah, exactly. And these things, because the high alcohol content, they're not going to keep their carbonation. Right. None of them, when they were poured, looked like they had any kind of head on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of the ones that they actually showed up, <laughs> none of them, when they were poured into the thimble, <laughs> the looked thimble. like they had. Well, they had them in tulip glass. I saw some in tulip glasses. And, and you know, and uh, matter of fact, the, uh, the Schorschbrow. Um, that Schorschbach, that that one was was about half a, a tulip glass worth, and I'm okay. looking at that going, boy, I'm not driving, and yep. I'm going to shut my phone off and unplug my internet because Let's after see. I'm done with that, I don't want to, I don't trust myself. You got a big day in front of you. That's true. You get <laughs> for what you're going to remember of it. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, interesting. So yeah. that's that's the only thing I can think of. That's that's the reason to do something so high is because you're looking to use a brewing process. 
to get that far. And I think that really when you look at the Brewers, they're not really going for, hey, how you know, how drunk can we get somebody? I think they're more right. about what can we do with the yeast? They're yeah. really kind of push the limits of the yeast and say, okay, what, what can we do with this organism? So that's my feeling anyway. Interesting. Wow. I just learned a lot. Yeah, I learned a lot doing all this research too. This is not stuff I knew beforehand. <laughs> this is this is what happens when you're like, oh, we're going to do an episode about high alcohol beers. I wonder what that's all about. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> it's it's all about snake venom and dead squirrels and two hundred dollars Sam Adams. What the yeah, heck? It turns out there's a lot of dead stuff with high ABV beers. Mm-hmm. Mostly liver and brain cells. Yeah, anything that comes into contact with it, really. Yep. Well, thanks, John. Appreciate Thank you, sir. The news today. That is amazing. And I, I would love to get my hands on one of these. Yeah, any of them. Try, Real, anyway. Any of them. I say, I, say we, I say we go for it. All right. Well, let's seek them out. Or if you know anybody, send us messages on the old Facebook or the Instagrams because, yep. like, it, this could be fun. Yep. We could grab some bottles and have a bonfire and a good time. And we might do a video of, of us trying to actually get one of these down in a sophisticated adult <laughs> manner. <laughs> it's going to be a short episode. <sighs> Thank, Thank you, sir. You, sir. Welcome back to Driftless Drinks. Uh, so, the second of two beers in this uh, episode we're going to try... We're bringing out the Sammy Klaus Classic. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is from the uh, the Castle Brewery in Eggenberg in Austria. And at one time, this was the highest alcohol lager in the world, I believe, in production. Mm. So I think this one came out in the 80s, as far as I remember. From what I've read, and I've not, like I'm not super well versed in history, and I might totally be wrong on this, but I do know this is one of the very uh, first uh, beers in the world to get close to 15. percent So this is one of the strongest lagers when it came out. I think it was the strongest lager when it came out in the world at the time. Um, but basically, the history behind this beer is they they brew this once a year mm-hmm. on. Um, on St. Nicholas Day, on December 6th. So they get the brewery ready, they make this beer for a day. This has a really cool kind of a traditional aspect to it, and that's why I kind of like it, and that's why I sort of latched onto it. Number one, I'm a big Bach guy. This is a big Doppelbach. Um, it uh, it has that kind of cool holiday tradition to it where they they do this at the brewery for one day, they age it for eight to nine months, and then they release it afterwards. So you can start finding these in the states usually in September of the following year. Yeah, that's when um, a lot of the a lot of the holiday beers come out about then. So yeah, yeah, and uh, this one has always intrigued me because of that. Uh, not only because it's a Bach and because it's kind of a higher ABV beer, but just be just for the traditional aspect mm-hmm. of being brewed one day out of the year and you know around the holiday season, uh, at least here in the states. So. Yeah, so it's a big beer. It's a Doppelbach 14.6%, I believe, when it came out. It says 14% on the label as it's. Uh, I'm holding this one in my hand. And now this one, John. Um, yeah. Generally, these, uh, 
been drinking these for a while now, uh-huh. right? So these tend to get a little bit better after you sit on them for a couple of years. Yeah, even, that's right? what you're that's what you're telling me that, and especially with something with a high alcohol content like that, it's it it can sustain that kind of aging. So this one. Yeah. This one's got some age to it, though. The one that you, yeah, the bottle we so have in front of us. I I tend to pick up uh, a four pack of these just about every year, and I've lapsed the last two years. I mm-hmm. have not been able to find any. Um, that being said, if I looked a little harder, I'm sure I could. You know, <laughs> I, I know it's around. I know I can order it, but I usually try to tend to. Uh, just run into beers and go, oh, that's cool, you know. <laughs> As we do. Yeah, I, I sort of let fate decide yes. what I'm going to be drinking. It, instead it explains of, my uh, refrigerator, actually. <laughs> the way it runs, or not run. Or not uh, runs. But, uh, so yeah, this one is uh, actually the second batch that I ever got a hold of, and this is a 2011 vintage. Oh, so we're... And this, we're, we're now in 2019, 19, so this yeah. baby's got some legs on it. So this is a little bit of a science experiment we got going on here, too. Like I said, uh, the general sweet spot for these is about three years' worth of cellar aging after Mm -hmm. they release. It seems to be when the uh, sugars and the alcohol, the residual sugar and the alcohol in the beer, kind of comes together best. It really, really needs that extra time to develop. A lot of the young ones, when you grab them and you drink them, and my tradition, my personal tradition, is to grab one of these on Christmas Day mm-hmm. when we go to my parents' place and have dinner, and I'll have one after oh, after nice. dinner and hang out when we're watching, you know, NBA or NFL or whatever is on TV. Oh, sure. And, you know, playing with the kids and stuff like that. Uh, but so um, these tend to really come together after a couple of years, and this one has been sitting down here for almost maybe a little over seven years now. And I'm really curious to see how this one comes out. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to try this. Yeah, no kidding. I'm, I'm honored to I'm, try this, actually. Sorry if I'm a little wordy about it, but like <laughs> this one has a really, uh, this one's kind of close to my heart just for a lot of different reasons. And, uh, so I'm really excited to see how this guy's going to turn out. All right, so you got the magic, the magic church key. I do, and John, I don't know if you brought up anything on the website that. Uh... No, I haven't done any research on okay. this at all. So, it, the the couple of things I would mention that this is the Sammy Claus Classic. So they they make yep. apparently they make a couple of different kinds. Yep, they they used to make a dark, and I think they make a strong or something similar to that. that. I, that I don't know. Right. We'd have to poke around the website yeah. here a little bit, but. And Santa Claus, if you're looking for it, is is all one word. It's S A M I C H L A U S. So, oh, you got another one here. So yeah, so I got up and I went back to the collection here. So I was just curious as to. So now they have one called Santa Claus Black. Um, is that the black you've got there? Back when I got these, they were called the Sammy Claus Schwarzes. Now, is that the German word for black? Don't know. Because I'm looking at the website through Google Translate. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think the Schwarzes. Schwarzes is the uh, black. It's the black, yeah, and it's kind of it makes sense because the the label on top of it. These have the old uh, Lohenbrau labels or the old Michelob labels with the the paper that goes over the right all the way over, o- the, cap. over the bottle cap. Yeah. Yeah, let's right to it. So anyway, we're just doing a quick comparison here. So yeah. So, oh, we should take it. Yeah, we should. And let's go ahead and pour it, and then we'll uh, make sure that we get a picture of this up yep. on Instagram. So this is the last of the 2011s that I had. 2018s would be the ones you would find in, in uh, your fine retailers <laughs> at this point. Oh, look at that bad boy. Oh, that is. Just, there's this beautiful cherry color to it. 
All right. We're going to get a so we're going to get a picture of the uh, if you check us out on Instagram, we'll have a picture of both. We'll have the uh, the classic next to it, and the uh, I'll see if I can get the dark in the picture too here. So anyway, as uh, <gasps> as we throw these out to the light, <laughs> to the light, I jumped ahead to the sniff. Oh, it's yeah, that cherry. Yeah, it's, like John said, it is it's dark a, cherry. It's, yeah, it's dark. it's it's like an amber mixed with a maraschino cherry kind of a look to it oh yeah uh translucent toward the bottom i do have a little bit of sediment creeping up in parts of my glass or maybe that's a really no i just got bubbles no you're right she's clear it's the way the light is over here yeah i can't grab a great piece of light (laughs) i gotta stand up for the light um oh yeah yeah it's just uh, we've got these in some excellent tulip glasses and it it looks so inviting, so inviting. Yeah. Okay, I mean, it really looks like brandy in a glass. Yeah, and that's exactly. I think you'd treat something like this pretty close. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, so I'll have this much brandy, and I'm not going to remember Christmas. All right. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I like Christmas. I want to remember. <laughs> So, all right, I'm going gonna... in on the nose. So, yep. basically, John, if you want to take a whiff, there's basically oh. no head, no lacing, and it is sticky, oily around the glass, right? As you yeah, roll it, it around, I mean, very viscous looking on and of the glass. So, John's going in for the nose. What do you got yeah. there, fella? So, the cher- the cherry's there, but it's almost a, it's almost a, um, like a dried cherry kind of flavor. Uh, that's the scent I'm getting. I do get a booziness coming right off of that. Yep. And it's like a, you know what? I it's this is gonna sound like a, a criticism, but it's not. I get a little bit of fruitcake off of that, like okay. fruitcake without the fruit, where you've soaked it in, you've done the rum kind of thing, and you soaked mm-hmm. it, but you've used like regular rum instead of the spice stuff. I that's what I'm getting out of this, and that's not a. Uh, that is not a uh, criticism of it. I'm with you. I get that heavy cherry. I get like a plum and a fig kind of a nose going to it, along with that big booze. All three of them. Yeah, like, I, I could go either way on it. Yeah, it's a dark, heavy fruit on the nose. Uh, molasses, maybe, a pinch. Definitely, and definitely molasses. As you noted earlier, the booze coming off of it is... <laughs> It's noticeable. Yeah, and that's the thing is that it's not booze like it's not booze like if it's not as if this glass is partially filled with actual you know liquor. It's it's a boozy note that comes off of high ABV yeah alcohol, especially that, stuff that's darker like this. And something like this, it's boozy fruit, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. like it's not like a straight like oh my god, I just you know fell into a vat of vodka. It's more no. like. When you're talking about like candied fruit, especially the heavy stuff, like we had just mentioned, cherries, yeah, plums, figs, it's it's this very heavy and boozy note that kind of come together on there. So that's always what I get off of it. And then the, maybe that hint of you know brown sugar molasses on the back too. And but, that's that's where I go with fruitcake. To yep. me, this this is a boozy fruitcake. Yeah. You know, if if grandma got at the the booze and tried to up her fruitcake to make it a little more moist, <laughs> this is what I expected to smell good like. For you, and that's all a good thing. I mean, I, it's 
Yeah, this is amazing. And it does, it is very much the holidays. Yeah. Very much. This one is Christmas Day for me. Yeah. Every year. And Oof. this is why I'm all fat and happy. <laughs> I also I also want to say just from the nose, and we haven't even tried this yet. We haven't even tried it. And <laughs> I can already tell that this has been merged, that there that there's a complexity here that's happened over time, you know, where things have come together. Because I'm not getting the discernibles. I'm not like I can't pick different smells out of this. And, you know, like we could with the the Shokovesa, we could we could get the different notes out of it out of just the nose mm-hmm. and then those just kind of were fortified by the by the taste this is just everything's just come together it's one thing which i think is astonishing are we going in let's do it All right, going in oh yep oh this is brandy light. This comes out. This, <laughs> if if you could make a raisin brandy mm-hmm. without the burn, I was gonna almost say right the there. exact same thing. I was like, "That is, this is like a dried. What would you call it? A dried plum is a prune, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think it, I think a desiccated. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, well, but I don't get, I don't get prune. I do get plum though. Yeah, it doesn't have that heavy bag note that a prune does, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of really heavy, weird sugar that sits in the bottom of it. I'm getting, I'm getting cherry out of this. I get yep. smoothness, so smooth. I, it, you know, you smell it and you're thinking, oh, this is gonna be harsh. Not even close. No. Not not at all. Oh, wow. I think a better way to put my thought earlier instead of the prune plum would be more of a fig note and yeah. dark cherry. I Definitely fig and dark um, cherry. Molasses. All of those things come together. and But all together, yeah. Doing this for a few years now, the 2011 was an <sighs> exceptional year for these. And uh, that one came together quicker than most. And it's really held its staying power. Like, honestly, I'm pretty amazed this thing has held up for this long. You know, even in a desirable aging, you know, situation, um, a lot of beers after a couple of years start turning the corner, right? Sure. This one is a fun one. If you see it anywhere, grab it, right? It's not prohibitively expensive, if if you're into any of these things, these dark candied fruits, molasses, rum, plum, all this mm. stuff, cherry, mm. fig, if you like that, grab a four-pack of these and seriously let it sit for at least two years. I would advise three to four. This one's been down here for seven, and it, it just... I was a little apprehensive to try this one on Mike because sometimes, like I said, these can go the other way real (laughs) quick. And when it does, you know instantly. But this one really has held its legs, and it's almost gotten better, even better than the last time I tried it. And that was was really amazing. That was going to be my question is that, you know, because knowing that you've had the 2011 before, if if this got better over the years, this is, yeah, I want to go, I want to sit down and and really – concentrate on this for a bit dude i i i can't thank you enough for opening this up and um not inter- not just introducing me to my first santa claus but i but something that you you've kept and, and nurtured for so long and i'm just amazed 
Awesome. Thank you so much for trying this one with me, John. Oh. This one's been a pleasure to open f- with you, my friend. Happy holidays. And uh, wow, what a, what a great time of year. You know, we get yeah. to experience family and friends and all of these great things. And, you know, booze yeah. comes with it. So and it's we're, great. Yeah, we're glad we can, we, we can uh, be there and have you listen with us and maybe try this, this bad boy with us as well. And, yeah, go get and, you some Santa Claus. Yeah, it's out now. If you can find it on the shelves, go grab it. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Driftless Drink Studio recording courtesy of HPJ Studios in Tomo, Wisconsin. Be sure to subscribe and rate us through iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can visit us at www.driftlessdrinks.com where you can comment on each episode or say hi on Facebook and let us know your favorite brews. If you'd like to drink along with us, find us on Instagram at driftlessdrinks where we feature each episode's brews a week or so ahead of time. All right, man, that's it for the holiday episode of Driftless Drinks. We are so pleased you could be with us for this journey. Yeah, to you and yours. Happy holidays, everyone. Be safe, be careful, and, uh, you know... Be boozy. And don't feel bad about, you know, having one too many. <laughs> yeah, as lo- long as you're at home or right. someplace you ain't leaving. Right. Call Uber. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. Uh, my name is John. My name is Mark. Be sure to keep a cold one handy for us. Welcome back to Too Much Goddamn Whiskey. My name is Hermastus. <laughs> and I am Aphrodite. <laughs> and we'd like to mention we don't have pants on. None. Just hanging out, listening to Kid this... Rock and... <sighs> In my G-string and, and flip-flops. and a bucket hat. <laughs> See, my thing with this is I, I get some of this, and then I'm going to get a little bit, uh, I'm going to get a finger or two of Elijah Craig, and I'm going to sit, and I'm going to watch some dumbass yeah. show like Supernatural. I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to sip this and watch this, or I'm going to watch some kind of Christmas crazy thing, you know, like Je- John Denver, I smoke too much Christmas or something like that. John Denver smoked too much Christmas? I'm hoping. Welcome to Driftless Drinks. My name's Mark. Mine's John. Grab a beer and drink with us at driftlessdrinks.com.